Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning, True North. My name is Kathleen. I'm part of the teaching team here at True North, and today I'm rounding up our two-part series, Better For It. So who in this room wants to be a hero? You can raise your hands, right? Dan, Lisa, you two totally want to be heroes, right? Well, we all have a chance in the next couple of months to be heroes because something is about to happen. We are about to have a change in our society. We've just spent two years locked in our homes and isolated, we've been regulated, we've been maybe bored, we've been frustrated. And now, we are being released back into society. But we went through all of that trial and trauma, and wouldn't it just be a shame that we went through all that pain without any gain. So you all want to be heroes, and heroes have superpowers. So I'm going to tell you about the superpower you need to have, because just like heroes, we have enemies we need to fight against. We can help diminish suffering. We can maybe help other people be better for it. So what's the superpower? This is the superpower of respond ability. This power of respondability is not the natural thing for us to do. Because what we want to do, we want to react. We want to be angry. We want to lash out. We want to get annoyed. We sometimes hold on to that pain and we relive that pain. And sometimes that pain is what defines us. And that pain is all we can think about. But we've learned that pain without gain would be a shame. So what you do, instead of holding those grudges and reliving that pain, is you do the hard thing. And you respond as though God is with you because he is and that response is so easy for us to miss because we really want to go right back and react but the power of a measured response can reverse course preserve our sanity which we all need and we can all be better for it so if only someone could model this for us. And fortunately, there is someone. And it's someone, a boy named Joseph, who was 17. And we read his story in the book of Genesis. Pastor Bobby gave us an overview of his early life. Now, I'm all that stands between you guys, wings, and a football game. So I'm going to condense this, really condense this, OK? So here's briefly where Pastor Bobby kicked this off. Joseph was 17, and his one of 
12 bro- he had 11 brothers. He's one of 12 sons of Jacob. And his brothers absolutely despise him. And so they do what anybody would do when they can't stand their brother. They throw him into a well. And they think maybe we'll just kill him. But they were a little smart. They figured, let's make some money off of this. So they sell him into slavery. And then Joseph is sold again. And he is in Egypt in the household of a man named Potiphar. And while he is there, knowing that God is still with him, Joseph is accused of rape. Can you imagine that? He's done nothing wrong to even be in this place, and now he's accused of a horrendous crime. And what happens next and throughout this story is all because Joseph knew God was with him and that he could respond in the same way. How would someone in your circumstance respond if they knew, if you knew, God is with you in the pain, in the stress, in the sickness? How can we be people who know God is with us, that we can be better for it? We can believe that our circumstance isn't the whole story. There's more to it, and it can make so many more people better for it. So we pick up the story that Joseph is now in prison. No one is looking for Joseph. His father has been told Joseph's dead. He mourns his death. His brothers are trying to forget him. They don't care about him at all. And next, we see what happens after the rape accusation. And we start with Genesis chapter 39, verse 20. So he, and this is Joseph's master Potiphar, took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Well, that has to be a little bit confusing because he is wrongfully accused and now he's in prison for absolutely no reason. He is innocent. But he is told, he is promised those, the faithful love, it's also, uh, that can be interpreted as loving kindness. That's a promise word. That's a covenant word. God promised to be with Joseph. But Joseph's in prison. Why are all these bad things constantly happening to Joseph over and over and over? But he doesn't react. He just keeps responding, believing he can be better for it. And we find him continuing to languish in prison. And there are two new prisoners who join him. And they are members of Pharaoh, the king's household. And they're the cupbearer and the baker. 
They're two of the closest people to Pharaoh. We don't know why they're there, but they're there. And Joseph one day looks at them and says, uh, something's not right with you guys. Now, they're in prison. I would think something's always not right. But his intuition told him something else is wrong. And they said something to him. And that's in Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. But God, but God, but God. Why does Joseph say, but God? Because he knows God is with him, that God is going to be able to speak through Joseph and tell them what these dreams mean. And so that's exactly what he does. He puts into power his respondability as he then listens to these dreams. And we start with what happens to the cupbearer. And I'm just going to sum this up. And what happens to him is the cupbearer is told, you in three days will be restored back to your position with Pharaoh. But please, please remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me. I don't belong here. I'm in a dungeon. Please, please get Pharaoh, get someone to release me. I've done nothing wrong to deserve being in a dungeon. Joseph does not let this moment pass him by. He uses his respondability to beg for something he needs in that moment. It's to be rescued. It's to get out of this place that he does not belong in. And next, we have the baker. And the baker's news is not that great. So I'll tell you what that is. The baker is told, your head will be lifted up off your body. You will be stuck on a pole, and birds will eat your flesh. Pretty sure he wished he didn't ask to know. Pretty sure he didn't want Joseph to be right. But three days later, it all happened exactly as Joseph said. Those gates swung open, out went the baker, out went the cupbearer. The cupbearer is restored to favor with Pharaoh, and the baker is executed. Imagine how excited Joseph was. His ticket out has happened. He must have been elated every time that prison gate swung open and he heard the footsteps of coming in. He thought, this is my person. They're going to get me out of here. The cupbearer told Pharaoh about me, and I'm done. But that's not what happened. And in Genesis 40, verse 23, we hear that Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So something else happens to Joseph, even though God is with him and he knows God is with him, he's forgotten once again. 
Imagine languishing in prison for two more years until the next chapter in Joseph's story is written. And what happens there is Pharaoh has a dream. And finally, two years later, I don't know what the cupbearer was doing. He goes, oh, bing, there's this guy. Pharaoh, I don't want to really bring it up, but I was in prison once because of you, but we're going to skip that. There was this man named Joseph, and he was able to interpret my dreams and the baker's dreams and exactly what he said happened. Maybe he can help you. And what happens next is so profound that this time Pharaoh listens because he trusts him. And so we read in Genesis chapter 41, starting with verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. And then this response, this response is incredible from Joseph. He says, it is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. There it is again. Joseph says, I can't do it, but the God who is with me can. But he did something else. This response was blasphemy to Pharaoh and to all his subjects. Because to Pharaoh, to his subjects, he is not only king, he is a god among many gods. And Joseph just said, my one true god, the god I believe in, he can interpret the dreams. And that's what Joseph does. He interprets with the power of the God with him the dreams that Pharaoh had. And what those dreams said were for seven years, it's going, it's going to be great in Egypt. Everybody is going to be well fed. We're going to have great harvests. It's going to be awesome. But then there are going to be really hard years the next seven years. People will be so desperately hungry and starving they're going to forget about how good the years before them were. So what you need to do as this famine spreads across the land, you need someone who can store up all the grain so that when people are starving, they are able to be fed. We can save lives here. And so what happens? Pharaoh says to him, and this is verse, uh, chapter 41, verses 37 to 38. We'll start in the middle. Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. So Joseph, 
because of years and years of responding instead of reacting, is appointed as the person who stores up all the grain so that when the famine comes, everyone is saved. The end. Except, it's not. Because the famine spreads across the land of Egypt, exactly as Joseph said, and it goes beyond its borders. And it affects Joseph's 11 brothers and his father, Jacob. And I just, I just love this next line. Um, it's Genesis 42, starting with verse 1. When Jacob heard there was grain available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there, buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we will die. Isn't that just like every parent? Think about the start of the pandemic. I'd just be sitting on my couch, watching Tiger King, you know, eating chips, and my husband would come home from work and be like, uh, you gotta do something here. So they're all starving, and Jacob says, go to Egypt, go get us food, we're dying. And here is where the tables turn, and Joseph's power of responsibility is about to meet its greatest test. Joseph is governor of Egypt, and they, that is the man that his brothers come before to beg for grain that will save them. They don't recognize Joseph because he looks like an Egyptian, he talks like an Egyptian, for those of you children of the 80s, he walks like an Egyptian. But Joseph knew his brother's faces. He could have reacted in that moment, screamed and yelled, maybe even said, I'm sending you to prison. Because when he looked in their faces, he thought, you're the reason I'm here. You're the reason I had to go through two sales on the auction block. You're the reason that I had to be accused of a crime I didn't commit. You're the reason I got thrown into prison. But he doesn't do that. Instead, Joseph responds. And what happens here is that he says in Genesis 45, verse 3, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. I just picture a Disney movie where everybody goes, <gasps> it's my, and then he says, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. And he says, please come closer. They came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, the brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Don't be upset, it now says in the next verse. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. And what happens there is the brothers are terrified because the boy they sent into slavery is now the man, the second most powerful man in Egypt, who holds their fate in his hands. 
Joseph could remember the pain and suffering caused by his brother's actions, and he could let them go home and starve. But what does Joseph do? He responds, and he says to his brothers, you have nothing to fear from me. Joseph realizes God was with him in every one of those moments. And God with him allowed him to be in this position, a position where he could save their lives. And so Joseph's entire family comes to Egypt. All his brothers and their families, even his father, his father who thought his favorite son was dead, comes before Joseph. Joseph forgives his brothers, and so his family can live. And they live there, they thrive, they prosper. The nation of Israel is established, in a sense, these people of Israel, because Joseph saved their lives. And then Jacob dies. And now the brothers are scared again. What, what if Joseph's just waiting for dad to die and now he's gonna kill us? So they get really terrified and they don't know what to do. And so these are some of the most amazing words in scripture as his brothers again come before him, probably shaking in fear because again, he holds their future in his hands in verse it's chapter 50 verses 18 to 19 his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him we are your slaves they said but joseph said he responded to them don't be afraid am i in the place of god you intended to harm me but god but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives that that unprecedented circumstance changing response revealed not only was God with Joseph, God had a plan through Joseph that their family and generations to come would survive. But this is so much bigger than Joseph because generations and generations later, there would be someone whose heart would break for his people. His family hated him. He would leave his father and mother. He would be sold for 30 pieces of silver for the price of a slave. He would be wrongfully accused. He would suffer and be punished. He, of course, is our savior, our Messiah, Jesus, born of the line of Judah, one of Joseph's brothers. And Jesus would save so many lives. 
He breaks our chains of bondage, our chains of slavery. He puts us in a robe. He calls us forgiven. He saves our lives today. So fellow heroes, put on your capes. Are you ready for this? Remember daily to respond and not react. Remember, God is always with you. But God, but God, he's in your circumstances. No matter how awesome they might be, how challenging they might get later, but God. So respond each day and each moment as if God is always with you. Because then you and me and so many others will be better for it. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that we can trust you are with us in the pain, in the stress, in the suffering, and in the good times, Lord. Teach us in those moments when we want to react, when we want to get angry, to tune in to what you have in store for us, Lord, because the plan, it's not about us, and it's all about you. Teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.